Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Eve Nance fell in love with Tim at 16, and they'd been married for more than 15 years. Tim would say, I love that woman. And Eve would tell me the same, I love that man. And with a daughter to raise, Eve and Tim built a simple life together. Eve worked so hard. She was a caregiver to her family. My dad tried, and they kind of just made the best of it. But in November of 2013, Tim went missing from their Wisconsin home. No one could get a hold of Tim. Tim wasn't checking in with anyone. That's what started to raise red flags. Your whole routine does not change in an instant unless there's foul play involved. The search for the missing man would reveal that Tim had a secret life. Sometimes he would go for a couple of days or, or a week. He said, oh, I'm just having my cake and eat it too. And his marriage to Eve wasn't what it seemed. The police were called to their house for domestic issues numerous times. My dad was the aggressor. Timothy had been threatened by Eve. And his disappearance left family, friends, and investigators wondering, had one of them finally gone too far? He had the gun. He's waving it around. I was just begging for him to just go, just go. Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, November 5th, 2013. It was a quiet Tuesday in this town of 40,000, an hour north of Milwaukee. Fond du Lac is your all-American, all-Wisconsin city. It's beautiful, and it's a good place to raise your family. Fond du Lac is very boring. It's very slow. Nothing really much happens, not really much to do. But that Tuesday, the small town's police department would suddenly have a mystery on their hands. A 37-year-old Fond du Lac resident named Eve Nance called in and reported her husband, Tim, missing. No one could get a hold of Tim. Tim wasn't checking in with anyone, uh, not only Eve, but his friends either. And 37-year-old Tim Nance had a lot of friends in Fond du Lac. Everybody knew who he was. He had a big smile. He talked a lot and had a million stories to tell. 
Eve told the police she'd last seen Tim on Friday night. Not seeing Tim for a couple of days wasn't the most abnormal thing. When he wanted to do his own thing, he would go do his own thing. However, according to Eve, Tim typically kept in touch while he was away, but not this time. It was very unusual for nobody to hear from Tim all weekend long. Even more unusual, Eve said he wasn't answering his phone either. She seemed very worried, a little aggravated that he wasn't returning her calls. And when he didn't come home on Monday or Tuesday, Eve said she'd really begun to worry. That's what started to raise red flags, that maybe he wasn't just out having a good time. So Eve had decided to call the police. She seemed genuinely upset and confused as to where he was. But in the days ahead, the authorities would be wondering, was her confusion genuine? Or did Eve know exactly where her husband was? Born in 1976, Eve Stidham started life far from the quiet shores of Fond du Lac. Eve was born in Chicago. We grew up on the north side of Chicago. She was definitely an extrovert. She was, she was an outgoing kid, you know, and, and pretty much kept that throughout her whole life. My aunt's really funny. She'd always be like the one making jokes about everyone. And when the 16-year-old met Tim Nance in 1992, her sense of humor was an easy fit with Tim's ready grin and rapid-fire wisecracks. He was the jokes that told the jokes, made everybody feel comfortable. He was very street smart. He was a very social guy. He was just so charismatic, you know? He just drew people in. Which is exactly what happened when he met Eve at a friend's party. The first time she looked at Tim, she was in love with him. And Tim felt the same way about Eve. Tim would say to anybody, unashamed, I love that woman. And Eve would tell me the same, I love that man. They both had a real fun-loving, you know, easygoing personality. They both liked to have a good time and joke and laugh. Soon, the two teenagers had moved out of their parents' houses and into their own apartment. They were both pretty mature at a young age, and she moved in with Tim within a couple of months of them getting together. Though they struggled to support themselves on their own, the teenagers were soon starting a family. It was uh, more of a shock than a surprise. They were 16 years old, and uh, they had to explain this to both of their families and everything else. With a baby on the way, even Tim decided they would need to get married. He was very happy. He knew she was someone he wanted to marry. He loved her very much. At 17 or 18 years old, they weren't doing the normal stuff 17 or 18-year-old kids were doing. They were paying bills and buying diapers. This was going to be their life. They were going to have a baby. They were going to be parents, and there's no change in that. But even as the couple planned their wedding, another unexpected change would derail their future. In August of 1994, Tim was at home one afternoon when he heard Eve, nine months pregnant with their daughter Tamika, screaming on the sidewalk outside their apartment. Someone was assaulting Eve. Tim came out there uh, with a pistol, and while threatening the guy and getting him away from Eve, Tim shot him in the foot. The wound wasn't fatal, but despite the fact that he'd been trying to protect Eve and their unborn child, the police placed Tim under arrest, and the trauma of seeing him hauled off in handcuffs was enough to send Eve into labor. He went to jail the day that Tamika was born. Tim spent nearly a year in jail on assault charges. 
but Eve stayed in touch with her fiancé and brought their daughter along on every visit to the jail. We would make really long trips to go see him and stuff, and, like, she would still have him in my life regardless. Being that he was locked up didn't change the fact that that was Tamika's father. And as soon as he was released in 1995, Eve and Tim didn't waste any time planning their long-awaited wedding. The day he got released from jail, on the way home from picking him up, they stopped at the courthouse and got married. Tim and Eve settled into married life, and a few years later, the family moved to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. She wanted to raise her kid in a safe environment. And the cost of living was lower, too. We moved up here pretty much to better ourselves and better life. In fact, Fond du Lac appeared to be such a positive change for the young family that Eve's little sister and her children soon followed her to Wisconsin. My aunt was pretty much like my second mom, so she would always be there for me. Me and my cousin, we were pretty much raised as like sisters. However, as much as Eve loved her new home, life in Wisconsin wasn't perfect. Tim's felony conviction made it hard for him to find work. Tim worked more on and off throughout their entire relationship, um, probably more off than on. And because of that, he mostly stayed home as Mr. Mom. He would say, baby, you been at work all day, come home, relax, I got dinner done, everything. He liked cooking, like he wanted to go to school for culinary arts when he was younger. In addition to the couple's daughter, Tim also looked after her cousin. He babysat me every day because my mom would be at work. We were, like, really close. Meanwhile, it fell to Eve to support the family. Once in Wisconsin, she took a job at a local assisted living facility. Eve and I were caregivers um, for people with mental disabilities. Eve worked so hard because she was a caregiver to her family. She wanted to give them kind of above and beyond. And she always pushed her daughter to do better. She would always tell me, you know, go to school, keep furthering yourself. Instead of, like, going out to party and stuff, she'd be like, shouldn't you be studying? Tim, on the other hand, took a more laid-back approach. As long as I was safe and I, like, let them know where I was going and stuff, my dad really didn't, didn't mind. Maybe Tim didn't mind his daughter having a little fun, because once Eve was home from work and dinner was done, he'd often slip out to enjoy what nightlife Fond du Lac had to offer. My dad would go out. He would go play pool and be a social person, see what was out there, talk to people. But in the fall of 2013, Eve said Tim had gone out for the evening as usual. Only this time, he didn't come home. Coming up, in an effort to find Tim, Eve reveals her husband's secret life. When it first started, it was, it was more hidden. But some wonder if Eve might be better off without him. Regardless of the ups and downs, she stuck through it. On Tuesday, November 5th, 2013, 37-year-old Eve Nance called the police in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, and said that her husband, Tim Nance, had been missing since Friday. At first, I thought that he was off doing his own thing and just didn't want to be bothered right now, and which wasn't uncommon. Because after devoting all week to taking care of the kids, the weekend was Tim's time. 
he liked to go out. He liked to hang with his friends. But according to Eve, she hadn't been able to get in touch with him all weekend. It wasn't really like my dad to not always like answer his phone. And he hadn't come home on Monday or Tuesday either. That was what was starting to spark interest, that something might not be right here. But where could Tim have gone? Eve told the police she had an idea. She said that while they'd moved to Fond du Lac years ago in order to provide a safer environment for their daughter, Tim had always missed the big city excitement they'd left behind. It's a small town, a lot different than Chicago, that's for sure. <laughs> but with Chicago a full three hours away, Eve told the police that Tim typically had to satisfy his big city cravings in Milwaukee instead, a mere hour away. That's a little bit more who he was, so that's kind of where, where he liked to, to spend his time. But according to Eve, Tim's trips to Milwaukee were for more than just hanging out and playing pool. She said he was on the hunt for drugs. Eve told the missing persons investigator it all started as a result of Tim's old assault conviction, a felony on his record that made it hard for him to find steady work. Her husband didn't put a lot on the table and was unemployed a lot. They were kind of struggling up in Fond du Lac. And with Tim often out of work, Eve had been forced to make up the difference. She was the family breadwinner. She was the one who really was supporting her child. My mom worked a lot and my dad tried and they kind of just made the best of it. So Tim tried to help out, finding ways to earn a little extra money. He had to make a hustle any way he could. So he went out and did his little hustle for his family. Although according to Eve, Tim's hustling essentially amounted to one thing. She said he was this drug addict and this drug dealer. But over time, according to Eve, he'd begun to sample more than he sold. We did know that he was kind of like into drugs. And according to Eve, that meant that she'd ended up supporting the family and her husband's drug habit. She was hardworking, always provided for everyone. And my dad kind of used that to his advantage. If you've got someone else that's taking care of that aspect a little bit, well, then you're a little more free to, to do the funner things in life. And according to Eve, Tim's fun extended to more than just drugs. He had other, other women or, or saw other women on the side. He wasn't 100% about me and my mom. He kind of like led a double life. Eve wasn't sure exactly when her husband had begun cheating on her. When it first started, it was, it was more hidden, a little more, uh, you know, the stereotypical cheating where you're sneaking around and things like that. But Eve said that as the years passed, Tim's cheating had become more blatant. Sometimes he would go for a couple of days or, or a week and, and stay with a girlfriend and then come back home again. Eve said that as Tim's cheating became obvious, friends and family had begged her to leave him. I did ask her, you know, how could you stay in a relationship like this? She told me that she would rather have some of Tim's time than none of it at all. After all, Eve had been in love with him since she was 16. My mom was very committed in the relationship. She never, she never really thought about leaving him regardless of the ups and downs she stuck through it. Although she didn't always accept it. Talking to the police, Eve admitted that she and Tim had often fought over the years. 
he wasn't always there like he should be as, as supportive as he could have been. And that's when like fights and stuff would happen. In fact, according to Eve, she and Tim had been fighting the last time she saw him. They had gotten in an argument Friday night and he left and she thinks he went to Milwaukee. That in and of itself wasn't too unusual, according to Eve. People can go cool off, leave for a couple days. And at first, Eve said she hadn't been too worried. And those who knew Tim felt the same way. At first, I, I didn't think anything of it at all. I thought that, that, that he was off doing his own thing. It wasn't too alarming to me, really. I mean, I figured he would show up. But after he failed to come home on Tuesday, Eve had decided to call the police. She stated that he had a drug problem and he may have relapsed. So she was reporting him missing at that time. As a theory, it sounded plausible to the police. Tim had a history of multiple drug offenses. Tim's record may have made Eve's claim that he'd gone off on a so-called drug binge seem credible. But when the investigators talked to Tim's friends, they told police a very different story about Tim's involvement with drugs. He, at one point, dealt a little weed. He wasn't a hardcore heroin dealer. He went to Milwaukee on a drug binge, is what she said. But he didn't do drugs like that, so that wasn't true. And while Tim's friends admitted he was unfaithful, they told the investigators that was because Eve had pushed him away. She was very controlling. Everything's got to be her way. She always degraded him. And she used to say little things like to make herself feel like she was a better person. And in his friend's version, it was Tim, not Eve, who'd suffered in silence. Several witnesses report that Timothy was not happy in his relationship with Eve. Was Tim simply taking a break from his troubled marriage? Was it possible he had gone to Milwaukee, as Eve suggested? Hoping for some confirmation, the investigators contacted Tim's cell phone provider. A cell phone signal will ping off of three different towers, and it'll give you an idea of the location as to where the cell phone was last used or where it's being used currently. But when the investigators pulled his cell phone records, they made a troubling discovery. There was no cell phone activity. What could explain Tim's silence? Was it possible he'd been in an accident or perhaps had an overdose as his wife suggested? They start to check hospitals in case, you know, something happened. But there was no sign of Tim. As the days continued to pass with no word from the missing man, his friends and family really started to worry. Everyone kind of went from thinking, well, this is something that's happened before to, okay, now maybe we should start being concerned that something's wrong. So even as the police launched an official investigation, Tim's family and friends had begun their own search. We started making posters, like me and my sisters went and like copied posters and took them around, asking people if they've seen him and stuff. And despite a sometimes troubled relationship, it appeared that no one wanted to find Tim more than Eve. She was right there alongside of them, doing candlelight vigils and making posters and putting up flyers and searching. Tim was, I, I believe, the only man she ever loved in her entire life. But would Eve and Tim ever be reunited? 
On November 13th, with the official search for Tim in its second week, the authorities made an appeal to the public for help. They put out a new press release asking for help from hunters. It might have seemed like a logical request. If you've ever been to Wisconsin and during hunting season, there are thousands and thousands of people who go into the woods and a hunter could help them find the person who was missing. However, while the police didn't come right out and say it, the press suspected that asking hunters to scour the winter woods for a man who'd been missing almost two weeks signaled an unspoken shift in the investigation. This was a game changer. You're not just looking for an individual, but pretty sure that the individual you're looking for is no longer alive. Coming up, could Eve be responsible for Tim's disappearance? Witnesses had reported a couple incidences in which Timothy had been threatened by Eve. And if so, can the investigators prove it? Am I being charged with something here? Hey, Snap listeners, did you know that according to FBI property crime data, most home break-ins happen in broad daylight? As the days get longer this spring, protect your home with Simply Safe. It's the award-winning home security I use and recommend. When the weather is nicer and daylight is lasting longer, I find myself going out for walks and out of the house more. That's why I like Simply Safe to protect my home 24-7. Simply Safe offers advanced technology to protect every room, window, or door of your home while cameras keep watch for suspicious activity 24-7. Plus, you install the system your way. It's easy to do it yourself or get the professionals to do it for you. You can test it out, absolutely no risk to you, with Simply Safe's 60-day risk-free trial. I like Simply Safe because it's customizable for everyone's personal needs. I love to use the video doorbell for my packages and feel more safe when I'm home alone. I even installed a smart lock at my parents' house. It gives our family both ease of access and peace of mind. Protect your home today. Our listeners get a special 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/snapped. That's simplysafe.com/snapped. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com/wondery. That's rocketmoney.com/wondery. rocketmoney.com/wondery. By November 13, 2013, it had been eight days since 37-year-old Eve Nance had reported her husband, Tim, missing. And it had been almost two weeks since she said he'd walked out of their Fond du Lac, Wisconsin home after an argument and simply disappeared. The fact that no one could get a hold of him was what was starting to spark interest, that something might not be right here. He would take 
his phone wherever he go. He would respond to people's texts to their phone calls. And that led the police to an inescapable conclusion. Your whole routine does not change um, in an instant unless there's possibly foul play involved. However, the fact that Tim wasn't answering his phone wasn't the only thing that led the police to that conclusion. Witnesses had reported incidences in which um, Timothy had been threatened by Eve. One of those witnesses was an old friend of Tim's named Deborah Hilt. She told the investigators that she'd first met Tim six years earlier in 2007. We just clicked right away. Personality-wise, we clicked. Um, we had a lot to joke about, talk about. In fact, Deborah said they had clicked so well that Tim all but moved in with her. He spent all of his time with me. Because according to what Tim had told Deborah, his marriage was essentially over. My impression was that he was living separately from her. Tim's description of their relationship was one of convenience. Tim may have told Deborah it was a marriage of convenience, but what she didn't know at the time was that Eve had actually been desperate to save her marriage. This was Eve's one and only love. They got married young, and they met when they were 16 years old. She didn't want nobody to miss what she had. She didn't want another woman to take that from her. And according to what Tim's friends told the investigators, Eve had tried to win Tim back, showering him with expensive gifts and even a new car. The car was his baby, his everything. <laughs> but when even the car failed to win Tim back, friends said that Eve had gone from desperate to dangerous. According to Tim's friend, Benjamin Bobo, he'd received a troubling call from Eve in the winter of 2009. She said, Ben, you need to come get your friend out of this house, or I'm gonna do something that I'm gonna regret. Eve had driven over to Deborah's, apparently at her wit's end. Eve Nance demanded that Tim Nance uh, come out of the apartment. Tim's friend, realizing that Eve was unstable and that his friend was possibly in danger, had rushed right over to Deborah's apartment, but he was too late to stop an angry confrontation. We hear Eve screaming. Tim, Tim, and she's walking in through my front door. When I got there, she was inside of the house. Deborah says that when he heard Eve screaming his name, Tim had rushed out of the bedroom to confront his wife. She's at the bottom of the stairs and she's got a gun. A gun she was prepared to use, according to Deborah. She had declared to him, I'll kill you. I will kill you. Luckily, Tim's friend intervened just in time. Ben was behind Eve, pulling her by her hand, telling her, let's go, let's go, you don't want to do this. I got out of the house. Tim came down, he talked to her. I went back and talked to Deb, um, Tim's girlfriend, like, it's going to be OK. They just needed to talk. Tim had managed to calm his wife down, and the potentially deadly confrontation came to an end. But after two years of dealing with his failing marriage, seeing Eve storm into her apartment with a gun was enough to convince Deborah to dump Tim before someone got hurt. I knew that Eve was unstable. I didn't want to deal with Eve anymore. I knew what that life would be like. 
I knew what it would be like, and I didn't want a part of it. Deborah may have been out of the picture, but that didn't mean Tim went back to Eve, at least not entirely. He still did have, uh, I know, at least two girlfriends in, in those next couple of years. Girlfriends he didn't even try to hide from Eve. He literally at times would come home with another woman. In fact, one friend told the police he'd witnessed another potentially deadly showdown in August of 2013, less than three months before Tim disappeared. He was an eyewitness to an incident in which uh, Eve had um, caught Timothy in bed with a girlfriend in their residence. And he observed Timothy and Eve struggling over a handgun. Tim's friends told the investigators they'd urged him to leave his wife for good. But Tim, who depended on Eve's financial support, had always refused. I said, what are you doing, Tim? He said, oh, I'm just having my cake and eat it too. And I said, well, I'm not for that, but don't let her kill you. Had Tim's cavalier attitude about infidelity cost him his life? His friends were convinced. I know from dealing with Eve, that she snapped on him. I knew right away she killed him. And based on what Tim's friends told them, the investigators were inclined to agree. They were pretty open about saying we believe there was foul play involved. But could they prove it? On November 20th, the investigators descended on Eve's house with a search warrant. And in the bathroom, they made a suspicious discovery. They had the physical indications within the shower stall, the markings on the wall indicating that a bullet had struck the wall. The police firmly believed that they had solved the crime. And they decided to turn up the heat on Eve. They came to her house and asked her to come to the station. At the station, Eve maintained that she had no idea what happened to Tim. I thought he was on a drug binge. Now I have absolutely no idea. Confronted about Tim's infidelity, Eve tried to downplay it, but didn't deny it. He was a good husband other than the, the cheating. Were you kind of mad at that? Oh, looks like I knew the relationship. However, she did deny ever threatening Tim with a gun after catching him with another woman. That night never happened that they're talking about me catching him in bed. But her denial of that incident made little impact on the investigators. I want to work with Eve, and I told you what happened. You killed her. No, I did not. And that's when the investigators confronted her about the bullet hole in her bathroom. We found the bullet. Well, then you need to arrest me if you found the bullet. No, I need, I need to tell you. I need you to tell me what happened. I'll tell, I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you where we found it. You know where we're going to find it, because, because, because you didn't find it. We did. All of a sudden, now the panic sets in. I might be in charge with something here. What do you think? I'm asking you. I don't know. She told them that she thought she should have a lawyer present. They said, OK, stand up. You're under arrest. Eve's arrest took her daughter and brother completely by surprise. I was in total shock and really confused, and I just wanted answers like everyone else. I was very confused without knowing if something had happened to Tim, let alone what that something was, how they could arrest her. According to the prosecutor, the answer was probable cause. 
Essentially, probable cause means that there is some level of evidence that suggests it's likely that the suspect committed a felony. But not enough to justify a formal murder charge, at least not yet. They didn't have a lot of evidence. They didn't have a weapon. They didn't have a body. For the next seven days, the investigators worked to build a stronger case, while Eve's attorney tried to get her out of jail. Her defense attorneys brought the matter before the judge, claiming her continued detention without charges was, in fact, a violation of her constitutional rights. But even as her attorney tried to convince a judge to release her, Eve had an apparent change of heart. On November 27th, she told the investigators she was finally ready to talk. She wanted to tell them what really happened. As soon as Eve sat down with the investigators, she began to tell them what happened the last time she saw Tim. There was an altercation at the house that night. According to Eve, Tim was furious when she got home that night. I came in, started arguing about where have I been. I should have been there when he got off work. Eve said that's when she'd walked away from the argument. I went to the bathroom. All I wanted to do was take a shower and go to bed. That's all I wanted. Then he comes in the bathroom and starts hitting me some more. Her story was he showed up with a gun. He had the gun. He's waving it around, telling me that I was useless and all kind of stuff. And I was just begging for him to just go, just go. But for all her begging, Eve said that Tim wouldn't leave. He just kept hitting me and waving the gun and then before I knew it, we were we were arguing and fighting, and the gun went off. Did it go off? Because we both had it. She was trying to get it away from him, and it went off. I didn't know what to do. I sat back down for a little bit. You know, he wasn't he wasn't moving. How long was he in? I don't know. It seemed like forever. Any thoughts of calling nine one one? I couldn't think of anything. Okay. It's like so, it's there. Eventually, Eve said that she did the only thing that she could think of. I took all his clothes off, and then I, I put him in the plastic, and I drove, and I drove, and I drove. Eve said in her panic, she didn't remember exactly where she dumped Tim's body, but she gave police a general idea of where he might be. I was down this, like, half a street, and there was one of those cement things. Like a, like a barrier? That same evening, almost a month after he disappeared, the police finally found Tim's dead body buried in the snow. His body was completely naked and was frozen. It was heartbreaking to think of him out there for all that time. Without Eve's confession, Tim's body might have remained undiscovered for months. But it also gave the police enough to charge her with murder, despite her claim that she'd shot Tim while they struggled over a gun. I swear to you, it was an accident. Okay. I just wish he wouldn't have, I just wish he would have left. And despite the fact that he had mistreated her, Eve said that Tim's death had left her heartbroken. I just kept telling him how much I loved him. This is all a big mistake. 
Coming up, the prosecution makes the case against Eve. The prosecutor basically says it was an execution. But the defense puts the victim on trial. Tim was an aggressive person. He was, he was a violent person. On January 20th, 2016, 39-year-old Eve Nance stood trial in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. She was charged with the murder of her husband, Tim, a crime that she had essentially confessed to more than two years earlier. Detectives with the city of Fond du Lac Police Department received information from Eve Nance indicating that she had been involved in an altercation with her husband at their, at their 10th Street home, that a gun had been fired, and that it resulted in the death of Mr. Nance. The person who was most helpful closing this case was Eve Nance herself. I'm not sure where investigators would be if they didn't have help from Eve. Although at the time of her confession, Eve claimed that the shooting had occurred during a struggle. Her story is that Tim had pulled out a gun. Both of them were fighting over it. Eve stated that she was trying to defend herself. But according to the prosecution's opening statement, that was a lie. And they claimed that the giveaway was something else in Eve's story. According to Eve, the gun went off twice, and he was shot twice in the chest. But as the prosecutors explained to the jury, that wasn't what Tim's autopsy revealed. The associate medical examiner testified to the locations of the gunshot wounds in the head of Tim Nance, one being the left side below the ear, the other left side on the top of the head. Not only did the locations of where Tim had been shot differ radically from Eve's account, according to the medical examiner's testimony, the shots couldn't have been fired during the sort of struggle she described. The medical examiner testified on stand that the gun wounds could not have been fired at close range. The story really started to unravel when you looked at the case from the medical examiner. Not only that, the prosecutors claim that Eve had a clear motive for murder, too. That motive was both anger and revenge for his infidelity. Infidelity that everyone agreed had gone on for years. This wasn't a crime of passion in the heat of the moment because Eve Nance's anger had been building up over a period of time. In the past, Eve had always stopped short of doing something she would regret but not on the evening of November 1st, 2013. According to the prosecutors, that night, Eve had finally had enough. Prosecutors argued that this was no accident, that uh, Tim was taking a shower and getting ready to go out for the evening. And Eve, fed up with her husband's infidelity, had stepped into the bathroom and finally made good on years of threats. I think that she came up behind him and put a bullet in the back of his head. Prosecutor basically said it was an execution. Shooting Tim in the shower not only explained why he'd been found naked. According to the prosecutors, the cold-blooded execution meant that Eve deserved to be sent away for life. The first-degree intentional homicide charge carries a maximum penalty of life imprisonment without the possibility of parole. Based solely on the evidence, a conviction looked likely. 
The medical examiner's testimony directly contradicted Eve Nance's account of the events. But the prosecutors did face one big obstacle. Timothy Nance was not a great individual to his wife. He was not a faithful individual. Would the fact that he'd brazenly cheated on Eve for years, all while taking advantage of her financial support, be enough to earn the jury's sympathy? She just loved her husband so much, and he didn't love her back the way she needed to be loved. When it was the defense's turn, they began by claiming that Tim's cheating wasn't even the worst thing he'd done to Eve. The defense presented their case that she was a battered woman. Tim was an aggressive person. He was, he was a violent person. To bolster that argument, Eve took the stand in her own defense. She got on stand and tried to make him look like he was this kind of monster. Eve told the jury that she was the frequent target of Tim's wrath. My dad was the aggressor because he wanted things his way and kind of his way only. He would start like yelling or just getting mad about just random stuff. But there were some times where like it would escalate while we were there and we've seen it get physical. Family members testified that they'd often urged Eve to leave Tim, but that Eve had clung to the relationship despite the violence. I was always worried that something would happen to her in, in one of their fights. When you don't know anything else, what you have right in front of you is, is what you learn to accept. My aunt just didn't want to realize what was really happening. Like, she's kind of in like a fantasy thing. But according to the defense, on the evening of November 1st, Eve couldn't deceive herself any longer because Tim had taken their arguments to a new and potentially deadly level. The defense argued that he was the one that uh, brought the gun into the situation. And the stories from Tim's friends and ex-girlfriends describing all the times Eve had allegedly pulled a gun and threatened her husband. According to the defense, they simply weren't true. No police officers had ever seen her with a gun. She had never been arrested in her life. She'd never been in any kind of trouble in her life. But Tim, as the defense was quick to point out, had been in trouble. In fact, he'd actually shot someone early in the couple's relationship. He spent time in prison. That was hardly the only thing on his criminal record, either. He has different domestic abuse charges. The police were called to their house for domestic issues numerous times. And when the case went to the jury, the whole thing hinged on Eve's testimony. Would jurors believe she was a battered woman who killed her husband during a struggle to save herself? A spouse that is a persistent victim of physical domestic abuse, at the time they commit a homicide, they're acting under a reasonable belief uh, and fear for their own safety. Or would they decide that it was Tim's cheating that had finally pushed her over the edge? She just couldn't take it anymore. I definitely think it was intentional. Coming up, Eve's fate hangs in the balance. It really was a tale of two stories. But will the outcome be justice? If he didn't die from them two bullet wounds, Tim would have forgiven her.
on January 29, 2016. The jury announced it had reached a verdict in the murder trial of 39-year-old Eve Nance. She was accused of killing her husband, Tim, as revenge for years of adultery. Prosecutors argued that Eve came in and uh, point blank shot him, basically execution style. But the defense said that Eve, not Tim, was the true victim. According to Eve and her lawyers, the shooting was merely the last incident in a long string of abuse that she'd suffered at her husband's hands. Her defense was that they had an argument that turned into a physical fight. There was a struggle over a gun, and the gun accidentally went off. But which version of events would the jury believe? It really was a tale of two stories. After just two hours of deliberations, the jury had reached its decision. The verdict came back to, uh, guilty. Eve was stunned by the outcome. She was very sad. She, she couldn't believe that it only took them a couple of hours to convict her. Eve's family and friends couldn't believe it either. People that really do know Eve and Tim know that they loved each other. In fact, at her sentencing on May 27th, many of Eve's friends said just that when they spoke on her behalf. She cried a little bit, and you could tell that she was, she was touched. And when it was Eve's turn, she begged the court for mercy. She said, all I can hope is that I would have the opportunity to have Pearl. In a surprising twist, many of Tim's friends, including his ex-girlfriend, agreed that Eve didn't deserve life in prison. Even I don't want to see her there because I don't believe that Tim would want that. If he didn't die from them two bullet wounds, Tim would have forgiven her. But would the judge be as forgiving? She was given 25 years to life in prison with the possibility of parole. His exact words were that this was not a planned crime, and it was a crime of passion. And when it came to the possibility of Eve getting out of prison early, he felt that a certain amount of leniency was justified, given the circumstances. I know what it feels like to love someone and lose control over your situation. Love can make you put up with things that you would not expect, and love can make you possibly do things you would regret. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us in Pura. I promised to keep you safe. I killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore.
Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.